And I've got a topic that's in the form of a question. So listen carefully to this. And the question is, how deep are your roots? How deep are your roots? That's a good question. Uh, you know, a storm reveals weaknesses. Sometimes we see a storm and a great big tree is pushed over and we're surprised about it. And then we realize that that tree didn't have very deep roots. And so we, that kind of revealed, the we didn't know that. It looked like all the other trees, but somehow or another the roots just weren't very deep and it fell. So how deep are our roots? One good thing now about adversity is this. They claim that uh, when a, 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 a tree is subjected to a lot of high winds and stuff like that, maybe not real high winds, but just has some adversity, the roots go down deeper. So the good part about our trials are that our roots do go down deeper. And when, when we, uh, so we, but when we have a real storm, we hope they're deep. But just in the course of life, sometimes we have trials. It's encouraging to know that what we're going through is making us deeper. So how deep are your roots? I also want to talk about this, about roots. Uh, there's no fruit bearing without roots. Fruit bearing requires roots. We want to bear fruit to God. So I guess what really got me on this is a couple of verses in doing my Bible reading that really got me thinking about this. And so really, I won't talk about the context too much. I just want to go over these two verses. And the first one, 2 Kings 19.30. 2 Kings 19.30. This is when uh, they had, Judah had been led into captivity, but then some of them would get to come back. So this is Second King 19.30. And the remnant that escaped of the house of Judah shall yet again take root downward and bear fruit upward. And just reading that just struck me. Take root downward, bear fruit upward. Unless we got roots going down, we won't bear any fruit upward. It just can't be done. And the same, Isaiah said the same thing in Isaiah chapter 37, 31. Isaiah chapter 37, verse 31. And the remnant that has escaped out of the house of Judah, of the house of Judah, shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. So we've got to have roots if we're going to bear any kind of fruit. So I'm going to go over just a few scriptures, and one of them is over in Ephesians 3. And I, I'm thinking here really about roots being more doctrinal, really, because that's the truth. I was thinking today about how superficial most people are. I don't think you hope you're not. Some of you probably are. And I'm more superficial than I should be. But, you know, sometimes we live in an age where most people don't care anything about doctrine at all. I don't know how you are. And I'm glad that we're doing some things with these children, even some of these memory verses. But how, 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 how much does doctrine mean to you? How, have you thought lately about doctrine very much? You know, we, we know what we believe here. At least we ought to know. We ought to go over and over again. We have more generations coming on. So we, but what, how much doctrine do you think about? And, how, and some people think doctrine is not all important. Get on down to something practical. But doctrine really, you know, when you get right down to it, it's very practical. You can't really bear fruit much unless you're sound in doctrine. So I want to look to you to several scriptures. And, uh, you know, my, my aim tonight is that you be blessed and God be glorified. <clears throat> you know, sometimes I keep preaching. For, I've been preaching now for 55 years. And sometimes I get discouraged, not with you discouraged necessarily, but I get discouraged in general because I wonder how much the people are getting. And so uh, an old Puritan wrote this one time, really cheered me up. And I'm not saying you're hard. Don't get this wrong. Don't, don't take this wrong. I may not be talking about you exactly. He said that uh, if you got some really hard clods of dirt, really hard clods, I mean you, you had a kind of drought, and you have a, have a shower, and it didn't even, didn't even penetrate the clods. It just kind of 
you know, it's a little superficial. And then you have another shower. And after you have enough showers, finally, the ground gets soft. So this whole preacher said, preacher, keep on preaching. You may have a hard clod. I don't know where you're hard clod or not. You know if you are or not. There may be some hard clods out there that are just kind of going off your, uh, like water off of a duck's back. But I, the preacher got to keep on putting those showers out there and hoping that someday there'll be enough penetrating. So some of y'all, I'm pretty sure, I'm not going to call any names right now, but I know one person here I'm pretty sure is a hard clod. Don't ask me who it is. I'm not going to tell you if you, if you push it tomorrow, I wouldn't tell you. But I'm pretty sure I know at least one clod here. I may be one of myself. But let's look over in Ephesians chapter 3. We need to have roots if we're going to bear fruit. How deep are your roots? That's the question again. I'll ask that several times. How deep are your roots? We want them to get deeper and deeper and deeper. So I'm going to go, first of all, to Ephesians chapter 3 and read verse 17, probably the rest of the chapter. This is a prayer that Paul praying for the people at Ephesus. That Christ may dwell in your hearts. I love that by faith. He's living in our heart by faith. I'll read another scripture in a minute from Colossians that talks about him dwelling in us. So it's Christ dwelling in you, really dwelling in us. Uh, we're meditating on him, we're thinking about him. Let me ask you this question also. What's the first thing you think about when you get up in the morning? And what do you think about during the day? What do you think about when you're going to sleep? Just ask yourself that question. I want to preach a sermon pretty soon on waking up in Jesus, walking with Jesus all day, going to sleep with Jesus. But we have so many distractions. I just wonder what's the first thing you think about you get up this morning? Is you're going to work or some worry? Uh, the first thing ought to be is to get in fellowship with God and think about God first. So let's read this over in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 and read. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded. Here we go, rooted and grounded. We're rooted and grounded in love. We need to keep ourselves in the love of God. We can't do that absolutely. We, we, he, he keeps us in him, but it said in the book of Jude, keeping yourselves in the love of God. We ought to be consciously realizing how much God loves us, and that will motivate us. We're all sinners. The devil tells us how sorry we are, and we can get so discouraged sometimes. We think, well, it's not, worth, it's not worth it serving God. Just give it all up. He talks to me that way all the time. Being rooted and, and, and grounded in love, in love may be able to comprehend. When you're, when you're rooted and grounded in love, here's what happens. May be able to comprehend with all saints with the breadth and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. He may be filled with all the fullness of God. I'm going to read that again. Isn't that wonderful? Some, some, someday I'll preach a sermon, hopefully, and go over those dimensions. You, you can maybe use your imagination. Go over some of these dimensions of the love of God in your mind, even. That'd be a good way to go to sleep tonight, is meditate on these dimensions of the love of God. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints for the breadth, how broad is God's love, and the length, how, and the depth, and the height, to know, to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. It actually passes knowledge. It's kind of like that piece of God that passes all understanding. I like to say that's better experienced than explained, and the same here. Sometimes you have been uh, flooded with the love of Christ and better experienced than explained. To know the love of Christ, which the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And I'm going to keep, keep on going. God, I love the rest of this. Now to him is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Uh, and to him be glory in the church, by Christ Jesus, throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. So be rooted and grounded in love. So you think about that. Now, uh, all, in Colossians 3.16, it also had the word dwell in there. I love this. So how much are you in God's Word? That's what I'm saying. 
how much you're in God, really in God's Word. Let me say it the other way. How much is God's Word in you? That's a pretty, one time an old preacher said, it's not so much how much you're in God's Word, how much is God's Word in you. So you know how busy you are. We have to fight to meditate. Today I had to do some busy tests, but I thank God I spent over an hour in John 17. When I, I just going crazy because I said, Lord, I want to be studying. But I've been out of town. I said, things I had to get done, and there were kind of manual tasks. It didn't require a lot of thinking. So I said, I'm going to run John 17 through my mind. And what a blessing I got. And I try to make a habit of doing things like that. You do the same thing. I'm going to keep talk, talking to you about things like that. I'm always bugging you to memorize scriptures. always bugging you to meditate on scriptures. And it's something we've got to make an effort to do that. We won't do it. So anyway, let's read over in uh, Colossians 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ, I just love this verse. I just love this verse. I, I love the whole Bible. Some verses I just crazy about. This concentrated verse, this concentrated verse, every word is important. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, isn't that good? With all wisdom. Just that one clause right there is good for meditating. Let the word of Christ, are you doing that? Have you done it lately? Are you just kind of superficial reading our Bibles? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing of grace in your heart to the Lord. That's Colossians 3.16. Now, uh, I'm going to talk about doctrine and duty a little bit. Doctrine, I've, I've written a sentence here that I wanted to just read this. Do, doctrinal roots bring forth practical fruit. Some people think, well, we can just bring forth fruit. Some people, all they want to have is kind of a little moral lecture. And, and moral lectures are good, but they're, they're not good enough. Uh, just tell them something practical, brother. Y'all, y'all don't do that here. In some churches, they don't want to hear anything about doctrine. They're bored by it. What do you mean election? What do you mean predestination? What, what do you mean redemption? What do you mean propitiation? What do you mean imputation? How do you feel about this stuff like that? I'd like you to get to the point where you love those words and what they stand for and study them out. You know, I, I love sometimes just run, things, run, just run words through my mind, just roll them under my tongue. Redemption, what a word that is. Bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Ransomed. Ransomed. Uh, imp- imputed. Imp- imputation. My sins are imputed to Christ. His righteousness is imputed to me. Propitiation. He propitiated my sins. Uh, all, all kind of just great words y'all think about and just, just meditate on. So I'm going to show you some things about how doctrinal, we have to have a doctrinal foundation. The root, we've got to have the roots, then the fruit. Let me just tell you a few things. You already know this, but let me tell you how some of these Pauline epistles are divided up. Let's look at Romans first of all. You won't find a better doctrinal treatise than Romans. Almost all theologians say that it may be the most doctrinal a stupid book in the whole Bible. It's a great, great book. Now, the first 11 chapters are almost exclusively doctrine. The first 11 chapters. It's got 16 chapters. Those first 11 chapters almost exclusively talking about doctrine. Rich, rich, rich doctrine. It starts talking about depravity and salvation. It's just amazing. And those last few verses of Romans 11, let me, I think I'll turn and read those last few verses to you because it's amazing how he sums it up. It's just absolutely magnificent. When he gets to the end of the doctrinal portion, He's so excited. It's some of the sweetest languages in the Bible. Let's go over to Romans 11 and let's read those last three verses. I'm making a point here now. Romans 11 and I'm going to go to the last three verses. Paul has really reached a peak here. He's he's so excited. Uh, I think by the overall context, also the immediate context. The thing he's been talking about in the chapter right here before him. So look at this. Now this is amazing. This is a doxology. This is a spiritual song. And you know we need to live lives of doxology. I don't mean we can just be shouting all the time, but we need to have this joyful stream run through our minds. The way I like to say it, 
it ought to be like an underground river. You know, over in Idaho, we went up there one time, they got an underground river. Every now and then it reaches the surface. And I think that what we ought to do is be like an underground river, have that sense of joy in our hearts. As we, but we can't do it if we're not meditating on the Word of God. But it ought to be there all the time. And then somehow it ought to erupt in praise. We, we, you know, we do a lot of praising here at Great Chapel. I don't know what God's doing, but I don't know if the last year or two our song services have really moved me. I know you feel the same way. It's been amazing. It's, it's kind of unusual. We, even tonight, didn't have a whole bunch of people here. Same with gusto. Hallelujah. But that ought to be that running, even this ungodly world we live in, there'll be this undercurrent of joy. But sometimes it comes to a peak. I mean, Paul is in high cotton right here, they, like they used to say. Look at 33 through 36. He is really excited. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. His ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord, who had been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, it shall be given unto him again. For of him, and through him, and to him are all things, to be glory forever. Amen. If you want to memorize something, to put some iron in your blood, get those last three verses, and say them sometimes. Isn't that great? Okay, now. So I did all that because now, 1 through 11 are the doctrinal portion of Romans. It's 11, wonderful chapter of full of doctrine. Then, in chapter 12, look what Paul says. 12 13, 14, 15, and 16 are bearing fruit. 1 through 11 are the roots going down. And so we're ready to bear fruit now because we've got deep roots. So here's what Paul says. Just read one verse here in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Brethren, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. What mercy are you talking about? Those 11 chapters of mercies. 11 chapters of mercies. If you, you consider this, your roots are down deep. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, uh, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. So, the, the, and the, doctrinal, the, the practical part is based on the doctrinal part because of what God's done. See, we don't serve God out of coercion. God does not coerce us to serve Him. We serve God out of gratitude. When you're serving God that way, you're really going to be serving God. When I can immerse myself in His doctrine and realize how good He's been to me, then uh, I can really do my duty. It will not be a, a burden to me at all. It'll be a joy to me to be able to serve Him. I, I want to serve Him because He's been so good to me. All right. Same thing about the Ephesian letter. It's amazing how God puts the Bible together. Uh, in Ephesians, uh, same structure, except it's a shorter book. Six chapters. First three chapters, glorious doctrine. They quote one verse of it tonight, Ephesians 1 4 about election. Three cha- great chapters. Read them again. Chapter 1's got an amazing prayer in there. Chapter 3 got an amazing prayer in it. Chapter 2, one of my favorite chapters, the first, one of the first scriptures I ever learned when I was a child heard preach all the time was Ephesians 2 8 and 9. I've told you this before, but the verses that got locked in on me when I was just a kid, that's why I'm glad to be a Prandy Veteran today. These, the, we weren't perfect in our churches back in those days. I certainly wasn't perfect, not now. But when I got a hold of Matthew 121, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, I knew salvation was by grace. Not by grace, comma, like some people preach it, but great, salvation grace, period. Romans, I mean, Matthew 121, she shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace are you saved, through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Now, I've worked with the emission boast. We had workmanship created in Christ Jesus. 
and so forth and so on. So these are great chapters. So and then over in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, let's read, let's look at that. Ephesians 4. Here we get the same pattern. Roots, 1 through 3, time to bear fruit, 4, 5, 6. And those are almost exclusively practical chapters. So he does the same thing he did in Romans chapter 12. I therefore, the printer of the Lord, beseech you, you are worthy the vocation for which you're called. I therefore, that therefore, go back to the first three chapters. That's why I want you to do this, because of what God had done for you. So remember, that's a, that's a great structure. You can find this all through the if you look for it. Another place I'll give you is just one verse. This is just one verse. This is over in 2 Timothy 1, 2, 19. 2 Timothy 2, 19. If this is one verse, going to do the same thing. It's going to have doctrine and duty both of the same, uh, the same verse. 2 Timothy 2, 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Well, that's good doctrine, isn't it? Let's look at that again. That's great doctrine. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone, in the name of, the name of Christ, depart from iniquity. Isn't that beautiful? You can't have the doctrine. You know, brother, some people say, if I believe in salvation by grace, I'll be lazy. Well, it hadn't been preached right if you're lazy. If, you, if, if salvation by grace makes anybody lazy, it hadn't been preached right, it hadn't been understood right. It ought to motivate us. It ought to motivate us. In fact, let me give you a verse on that. 1 Corinthians 15.10, another one of my favorite verses. There's a great balance here. I've said lots of times, only the Holy Ghost will write a book like this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. This shows you that grace doesn't make anybody lazy at all. It does the opposite. Okay, let's see. Uh, 15, 10 here. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. Ready? But by the grace of God, I am what I am. That right there is roots, isn't it? And the grace which would be stood upon me was not in vain. We're getting to get ready to get the fruits now. But the, I labor more abundantly than they all. That's good old fruit, isn't it? Isn't that amazing? Paul said, I worked harder than the rest of anybody, anybody else. But then what did he do? I look up, yet not I, the grace of God, which was with me. I made a statement lots of times, and one time, I could not believe one time, it was on Free Grace Fellowship, which is a, was a list server, and I think there's too much fighting going on. In fact, my, my boy made me get off of that thing. I was always trying to talk on that thing, trying to defend the truth, you know, but some people didn't have a very good spirit. So I got so obsessed with it one time, I got out of the pulpit on a Wednesday night and ran to my computer to try to start defending myself again. And I had came in there and said, Daddy, what are you doing? They said, get off here tonight. So I did. I typed the last message and got off, and I'm glad I did. Uh, anyway, though, they couldn't understand the relationship between grace and work. Here, here's the statement I'm going to make. I made this statement. Now, listen to this statement. It's the, most, it's the soundest statement I've ever made. I got it from Brother Morris Oakley. He's a dear old man, lived in Little Rock, Arkansas. And I go see Brother Oakley. I, I used to drive over there and just had a good time talking to Brother Oakley. He's just a wise old man. He said, Brother Zach, let me tell you about my theology. He said, anything that I do good, God gets 100% of the credit for it. Anything I do bad, they take 100% of the blame. That, my friend, is a sound statement. I can back it up by Scripture by my own life. 
And one time on Free Grace Fellowship, you won't believe this, a guy went off like a volcano on me. When I said, I give God glory for, for all, for, I give God 100% of the credit for all the good I do, he said, you're, a, you're saying you're a robot. I'm not saying I'm a robot. Here's what I am saying. We're responsible to serve God. But if God doesn't help us, bless us to serve Him, we won't do it. I'll give you the verse on it. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. We work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, don't we? And we should with fear and trembling. That's the fear of God, not a slavish fear. It's respect for God. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for God was working in you with the will to do of His good pleasure. Don't ever forget that. Listen, work like it depends on you. It doesn't, though, but it looks like it does. And that's the responsibility. That's what God tells us. Go ahead and reveal will. Then give God every bit of the credit, not one bit of the credit. Not one bit. You can't lift a finger without God. In Him we live and move and have our being. In heaven, we're going to be saying the song, Thou Lord art worthy. And we sing it now. I love that verse in Holy, Holy, Holy. Sometimes I lift my hands up. I'm not trying to be charismatic, but I just can't help it. It's when Thou Lord art worthy, that's worth lifting your hands up. He gets all the glory. Isn't that great? But yet we work like we can. We work as hard as we can because we love Him. We love Him. That motivates us. So if you're kind of down right now, get remotivated. Say, Lord, you've been good to me. The Lord has been so good to me, I want to sing His praise, I want to glorify His name all my remaining days. If I had that doctrine to know how He saved me, I was dead in trespasses and sins. And dead means dead. We can't imagine how wicked we are without God. Even right now, my friend, I have the old man still living here. I know a little bit about that old man, but I don't know the full depths of the old man. He, he, I, that's why I've got to keep a guard on myself. Don't you ever quit keeping a guard on yourself. Don't ever think you stand, even an old fellow like me. Listen, take heed when you think you stand, let you fall. One thing I appreciate about Brother Bobby Poe, he's in his 90s now, and Brother Jerry Hunt Sr., who was in his 90s, just passed away. And both those men would tell me, Brother Zach, I sure hope I finish strong. Bobby Poe would pray, Lord, don't let me make shipwreck of the faith. Isn't that wonderful? You have the same attitude. Don't go around being afraid, but do fear God and fear your ungodly sinful nature. And thank God you've been delivered from that, from, that, from that sinful nature by God's grace. And give them the grace to live as you should. Well, okay. Now let me go to another place here. Well, let, 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 well I'll read that. Let me, let me read it again. That guy went off on me. I cannot believe that. Sound statement I ever made. I'm not a robot. But I can't hit a lick of the snake without God. And you can't either. We bear fruit and we abide in the vine, John 15 says. And if you're born again, to some extent, you will abide in the vine. I can show you a scripture from 1 John. I won't turn there right now and get my train of thought. But it says 1 John chapter 2. He says, you will abide in him. Then the next verse says, abide in him. That's not a contradiction. You will abide in him, he says. And you will if you're a child of God to some extent. But then he said, abide in him. He exhorts us. He exhorts us. Just like Paul one time over in the book of Acts. Uh, and they had that shipwreck in the 27th chapter of Acts. And God told Paul, you're not going to lose anybody, Paul. I'm going to give you the whole crew on this ship. But you know what, what happened? Some of those old Roman soldiers wanted to get out of there. They, it's kind of dangerous. They're fixing to get a lifeboat and get out of the way. And Paul told the centurion about that. And they cut the ropes and let the boat drop down the water. And Paul said, except these are by the ship, you can't be saved. Now, what, that, what, Paul, why did you say that? God already told you you're going to have everybody. 
I don't know how to explain all that, but I'm telling you, we need to go by God's revealed will and be, serve him the best we can and trust him for the rest of it, right? That's what you got to do. Don't go right, try and figure God out all the time. Just do what God says to do. Just do what he says to do. So again, in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, let me read that again. I love that so much. But the grace of God, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, the grace of God, was with me. I love that scripture, and you do too. Let's go to my final one now. It's over in 1 John chapter 3. I'm trying to show you again that the fruits and the roots go together. You've got to have the roots first. got to have the roots. So my question again is, how deep are your roots? And, make, and I hope I'll motivate you tonight. We want to get our roots deeper by God's wonderful grace. That's what I want to do. I want my roots deep. When we have to face real trouble, we need deep roots. When we face life tragedies, we need deep roots. It's the same lesson taught by the wise man and the foolish man the kid thinks about tonight. And when you build your house on a rock, my friend, the winds are coming and the rains are coming and the storms are coming. But if our house is built on a rock, if we've been, got our roots in deeply, we'll make it. But, you know, here's the difference now between the wise man and the foolish man. You know what they were? Remember that? Both the wise man and the foolish man heard the word of God. The difference was the wise man did something about it. The foolish man just listened to it. So we got to do something about it. It's like the Lord Jesus Christ in John 13 about the washing feet. This applies to everything, not just washing feet. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. We know a lot, don't we? A lot of people, a lot of Christians think, if I know a lot, I'm doing well. No, that's just the first step. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Let me close out now with 1 John chapter 3. Absolutely wonderful scriptures. Absolutely wonderful scriptures. How deep are your roots, folks? How deep are your roots? All right, let's look at this. I remember my old pastor, E.C. Holden, used to preach on this. Lots of times he preached on it. Just thrilled my soul. He could really preach. He never got past verse 1, though. He got so excited about verse 1. <laughs> he never got down to verse 2 and 3. But I still enjoyed the sermon. Same thing in, John, in Psalm 116. What shall I run to the God for all his benefits toward me? He never got past that verse. He started talking about benefits. We got the rest of the verse. But that's okay, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, we got to keep going though tonight. I can't do that what Brother Holder did here. Behold, and Brother Holder said, that means take heed. There's something important coming. Behold. Pay attention. I think Nathan preached on it like, so wake up. He said something about that word. Behold what manner of love the Father had bestowed upon us. We should be called the sons of God. Isn't that amazing? We're, we're called the children of God. He's our Father. We can read that verse, but may it sink in deeply to us. Behold what manner of love the Father had bestowed upon us. We should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. My friend, that explains a lot of things going to the world today. The world does not know us if we're his children. The world does not know us. They don't know him. They don't know us. The world is hostile to God's children. Sometimes it's more manifest than at other times. We know now it's getting more and more and more manifest. The world knoweth us not. It doesn't know us. We're a mystery to them. My brother had got an old girlfriend, and I'm praying for her. I really am. I call her a worn-out old hippie, really. And I'm not, 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 she was a hippie, and she's an old hippie now. And you know what? Here's why she, her, our family mystifies her. She's certainly not conservative. And we're conservatives, but we're nice. It's almost like we're in a zoo. 
She comes, what is this there? No, what is this animal here? I, never, I can't figure this out. They're, they're, they're supposed to be chewing me out all the time. You know, one time I saw her on my brother's front porch. I heard she was going to have open heart surgery. And so I said, I won't call her name. No point in that. But I said, uh, I need your phone number. I meant it. And she said, why? I said, because I, I broke down dead. You know how emotional I am. But I'm glad I did, really. I said, because when you go to surgery, I'm going to pray for you. And she looked at me like, she was not impolite, but just like, this is not record. What, what do you mean? Friend, if you're born again, you need to thank God for it. You need to thank God for it. There are people out there who don't know Jesus Christ. They don't know what you're talking about. They don't know what's going on. We need to pity them and pray for them. We all have a love for them. The Apostle Paul said, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel that she might be saved. Paul, and so we don't need to hate people like that. We need to pray for them. You two, I didn't like her a bit. I pray for her a lot now. So we got to do that. Anyway, the world doesn't know us. But, I, but we've been sent to the world for a reason. We've got to be salt and light. Jesus Christ and the high priestly prayer in John 17, verse 18 says, As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I sent you into the world. How about that? God has, you're on a mission. And I'm a, if you're a child of God, you're on a mission. I'm on a mission too. Let's remember that. Everywhere we are, whoever we talk to in our everyday life, everybody we meet, we are on a mission. I'll start at verse 2 again. Beloved, now are we the sons of God? And it does not yet appear what we shall be. Now, this is amazing. We're the sons of God now. But when he shall, but, but uh, let's see. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Explain that to me, if you will. Explain it to me. I just believe it. Isn't that right, amazing? We're going to, we don't want to be God, like the Mormons say. We will be God-like, Christ-like. Conformed to his image. That's what predestination is all about in Romans 8. We're being conformed, predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. And friends, that process has begun now. You need to realize that. Here's what, some people, here's what I used to believe. I'm going to tell you what I used to believe. Just confess it. I used to believe that, it's, and I'm going to be a little bit sarcastic here, but it'll make the point. Here's what I used to believe. You get born again, God shook your hand, said, good luck, I'll see you at the resurrection. I was about that way. That's some old Baptist that way. God had nothing hardly to do with our life. He's got a lot to do with your life even right now. God is conforming you to his image now. There'll be a quantum leap when you're glorified. But you're doing that now. Thank God for that. Take courage. You're being sanctified. You know why though you're being sanctified? Because Christ prayed for your sanctification. He, and God always answers Christ's prayer. Is that correct? John 17, 17 Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Do you think God always hears Christ's prayers? He prayed for us in that verse. So you thank God, my friend. Sometimes you realize, you don't think you're growing. I promise you, you're growing to some extent. We, it's, not, it's not permanent, just up, you know, on, on, uh, it's not just uh, uninterrupted growth. We can go through dips and valleys, sometimes real deep, deep valleys. But we're still growing. I want to encourage you about that. Carl, I'll tell you why I want to encourage you. You've got to believe what it meant in Philippians 1.6. He that has begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. He's working in you right now. Oh, Bill God used to have that thing. Be patient with me. God not finished with me. We need to be patient with each other. I heard one time about a guy who was, he was a sculptor. And so uh, he had a great big old block of a 
marble. He's going to sculpt a horse. The guy said, how are you going to sculpt that horse? I'm going, to knock, I'm going to knock off everything that don't look like a horse. That's what God did for He's he going to knock off everything off you don't look like a child of God. <laughs> Isn't it good? He's the master sculptor. Hallelujah. All right, let me finish this. I want to get to the punchline. I love this punchline. Okay, okay, now, what kind of practical application does this have? You talk about roots, brothers, Zach. What about the fruit? Look at it. And every man that has his hope in himself purifies himself even as he is pure. If you really have that hope, it'll purify you. You'll want to live for God. Well, my friend, I love you, and I thank you for your good attention. Let me ask that a question again. How deep are your roots? How deep are our roots? Let's ask God to let our root go down and our fruit come up.